Hey everybody, welcome to the in between. Um, Paul Colson and myself are sitting here talking um, because Chris is uh, out in the woods with some pine covers. Um, Should have just ended there. Chris is out in the woods. Chris is out in the woods. Fill in the blanks. You choose your having woods. A, having a you prayer time. What he's doing. Um, he he's he's not eating much right now. So it is it is sort of like fasting and praying. Um, but he's out in the cold, probably getting as close to a fire as he can because it's it's been cold at night. Um, but we uh we kind of have an interesting um schedule coming up because we're I y'all may not know it um because we, we're just in the middle of November right now, but we've got this Sunday coming up, and then the Sunday after that is actually the first Sunday of Advent. In November? November 29th, Advent. Oh, wow. Colson now knows what all the buttons do, and now we've got sound effects. Actually, I I just picked one. <laughs> oh, wow. A second, I was like, please don't be applause. Or... <laughs> okay, well, that, uh, you did it really well. Thanks. You convinced me. Spin the wheel of sound. Um, Who knows what <laughs> you're going to get. Um, but because of that, we, we actually, like, we, we hit 11-1. Uh, um, this past Sunday, Chris made it all the way to eleven one, and and because basically eleven and twelve are the the same. I mean, we we yeah ten eleven twelve ten eleven twelve, um, but but eleven and twelve are actually him the you know mm-hmm. message coming. Um, we don't really want to get into yeah part of eleven and then have to stop for Advent and then come back and be like, hey, remember what we talked about four weeks ago? Yeah, because what we're really running into and whenever we do cover it and if you read ahead you've probably seen this yeah please read ahead this now will get to the most specific when i was kind of closing things out on chapter nine and even kind of talking through um the vague kind of first kind of Mm -hmm. expression of of that dream you know it was that that lesson again that it's helpful for scripture is like you don't use the vague to interpret the clear of scripture. Yeah. And there's a lot of ambiguity in the words of what's kind of going on there. Now what we're running into though is very specific. Yeah. Like we're, we're getting into the, we're naming. Yeah. The most and specific kind of timeline. And it's and it. And when you read it at a cursory glance, I mean, it reads super complicated in its feel. And that's almost because it's, it's that well fulfilled. I mean, right. this again, if we've mentioned it long before of, even when we started this book of why people want to date this later. Because there's um, no way that this part could be written yeah, it before really, it happened. Those same type concepts pro- probably aren't as concerned with the vision and, and or the statue in two no. or, you know, the vision of, you know, the mountain coming down and crushing everything. Like it's, it's not those vague ones that they're really, there really, are four beasts. Mm-hmm, yeah. You can leave those still general, but in this one, it gets, I mean, very, very specific mm-hmm. and in an amazing way now that we get to look back on of, again, those who hold to, well, if this was written when it seems likely that it was written, then the answer is, well, God is revealing something in the future. It's almost um, like he knows what's happening. Yeah. And that, again, being a huge comfort when you're the person in the middle of uncertain times, which we can certainly relate to today. And I think every time probably it can relate to it in some way. I've just been amazed at at how how applicable all of this has been um, to right now. And you're right; like it 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 would be applicable no matter what was go- what was going on. But it, something about studying prophecy in 2020 has has just yeah felt really 
um, powerful and well, and that's what I was yeah. having a conversation with another church member and we were alluding it to before we pressed the play, the record button here. Um, but having that same understanding of is, is there benefit, you know, cause, and I, I, I know yes. I'll, I'll admit, like I, I played a little bit light, um, when, especially when I was going through nine on this idea of these timelines and exact dates and figuring it out and getting down into the details mm-hmm. in the sense of, I mean, you really can probably dive off the deep end. And this is that reference of you never want to, you, you don't want to use the newspaper to interpret the Bible, I think is the way Chris said yeah. it in one of his sermons. Um, and so you really probably can go off on a deep end and you can kind of get caught up in trying to, again, shove specifics into vagueness. And you're always going to probably yeah, you be can able do to that. do that. But again, is it, what's the benefit of, of, you know, walking around and being like, okay, well, well, who's the Antichrist now? Like, we okay, well, if the Antichrist was this, then who is it now? Who can we do it in the next age? And there's some light of, like, that you can get lost, and you can lose the original meaning. Yes, absolutely. But at the same time, there is something to considering and spending time in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the most intriguing, again, questions, and I probably wasn't maybe as clear of this one, even I talked on it on Sunday, but is the notion of, we have the benefit of looking at this section of scripture with all of this now hindsight, yes. historical hindsight. We, we get to look back with all of these details. This is confirmed. Yeah. Daniel didn't doesn't have that ability. He doesn't no. have the ability to look back on all of this historical accounts and historical details. Yet, God clearly says, God's the one who says it, that Daniel doesn't lack an understanding. Mm. And so I always have to go to this baseline of like, there is something worth delving into this. There is something worth spending time in this. But whenever you come to a conclusion that is like it, it, the only reason it gets to stand in reality is because it's weighted down or it's it's bedrock is some historical account that Daniel didn't have. It's like now we have an understanding he didn't have mm-hmm. because of this. Like that, that I think is where some caution flags should go up, some red flags. You shouldn't miss then Daniel's ability to understand this and our ability to understand this. But again, what we'll see even now with this gift of hindsight that we have, it it is probably all the more encouraging. I think Daniel found, you know, this as a comfort. This was meaning to be a comfort coming into it. And again, the main conclusion, if you go to the big purpose of the whole book here, is that God is sovereign and he's going to work out these things and no kingdom shall stand against him and thwart him in that. Yeah. That message I think is what is true today and is true then. And again, probably is good at any time. And certainly, th- certainly in 2020, but it probably would have been good in 2019. Right. Daniel, Daniel's faith should be a faith builder for you. Um, understanding something that um, in, in hindsight, having, having the reality, the, uh, the history of it being proven true. I love the, the hymn, um, "Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Um, in the second verse, or in the, sorry, not in the second verse, in the chorus, it says, um, uh, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him, yeah, or and or. It's not like, hey, I argued Jesus well. It's like, how how has my life proven that God is who he says he is and that Jesus is what he says he is? Um, and, and all of those things build your faith mm-hmm. in order to um, face the things that you don't know yet. And so Daniel's already experienced all of this 
and his faith in the midst of not seeing with his physical eyes, but seeing instead with his with spiritual eyes granted him. Um, uh, and then seeing all those things, now we have the benefit of seeing all those things actually have occurred just how he said that God told him that it was going to happen mm-hmm. is a big deal. Um, and, man, like, there is an element of, we, we talked about um, uh, a little bit about Daniel's contemporaries looking looking at like a timeline of of mm-hmm. what like, what he's what he's doing. His faith was built by uh, was built by was strengthened by people like Jeremiah and mm-hmm. um and and by even by probably Ezekiel mm-hmm. um who was at the same time as him. Um, but he he was reading, um, you know, probably even in the midst of uh of his um of his training as an exile, um, he would have been reading, um, not only other, um, other, uh, nations, prophets and Mm -hmm. dream interpreters, but he would have been reading his own, um, nations. Yeah. And this wisdom, this kind of comes back to again, what one, what Babylon did in practice yeah. uh, was this idea of let's take everything we have from all of these conquering nations, put it into ours, test all the, it. All the good, yeah. And keep what is good. Yeah, yeah. keep what is Only good. Only what is good. And this is probably why Daniel and the other three friends in the first place go to exile is because instead of just being wiped off the map, no, let's go ahead and take the young, the brightest, the, the best. Most promising. Most promising in their court, bring them over into our court train them up in our ways and anyone that comes to success in that we want to keep around or learn from or have anybody who doesn't, we get rid of, which is also why, you know, Daniel wasn't just, you know, as soon as he says like, I, I I can, I can give me, give me a second. I can interpret this dream for you. He's not, you know, just killed for being insubordinate because they are going to listen to somebody who's not them and say like, prove it. Yeah. And he proves it. Yeah. You know, and the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prove it by being thrown into the fire. And the, you know, we should probably hang on to those, those, those guys. guys. They're, they're fireproof. Yeah, we'll promote them. Um, <laughs> but this notion, again, of and what we called in the role in general terms was these Chaldeans. You know, what was once a, a nation or people group, you know, now has evolved into a role. Right. And we see different aspects of the Chaldeans that we've already run into. Um, but uh, overall, just these dream interpreters, um, these, these men of wisdom in which if you had a problem or a dream that you didn't understand, you would go to them. Uh, and we again covered this way, way back in chapter two, but, uh, most of these were in these Chaldeans in their structure of interpreting these dreams. They weren't just making up stuff off the top of their head. It wasn't like Nebuchadnezzar, you tell us the dream and then I'll puff up some smoke and present it back to you. Now, you know what a that lot sounds times, like to me is it sounds like this. Yeah, this is and it's and it's favorable for you. A lot of times that is what they're doing. They're trying to make it. They know they, the king wants to be in favor, and they want to give him something right. where he is in favor, and they themselves get propped up because of that favor. Right. But they're not just doing it off of the top of their head or making something up. These Galdeans would go to these dream manuals. You know, they were trained and studied these dream manuals, which is a collection of all of these older writings, wisdom, prophecy, all put together with the. You know, once the symbol was this that was projected, and here's the fulfill- fulfillment in history past. So whenever we see the this symbol again in a dream, it's it could possibly be this. It makes me wonder if they if they read Joseph. 
Yeah. I mean, because they would have taken Egypt um, before this, right? Yeah. Um, and the, so Joseph's prophecy, or not, you know, dream fulfillment would have would have been one of the things that was probably gathered um, in that time. But that's, that's an interesting, like, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, like, speaking of someone else who could interpret what what was happening in a dream like yeah. okay ears of corn got it got it right that or one grain. down and heads of grain and and again if for daniel he probably to some degree was trained this yeah. was probably part of his training these this so what he went to school for yeah to these dream manuals was probably in his training now majoring in dreams now he sought a different i mean he wasn't like he was making use of them or citing them because god yeah. had gifted him with a gifting and an understanding that superseded, of course, all of that. But for a position, and especially for the tenure of a position, mm-hmm. one of the things that we probably recognize is, is in his position, if anybody was going to be able to get a hold of other Jewish contemporary right. writers, yeah. it's probably Daniel. Daniel probably has the setup that if he was like, hey, I know this was written over there, uh, I'm going to send a messenger and go get me a copy and we're going to build it in this library. Or I'm going to go this. get it. Like, you know, or yeah, I'll go get it and yeah. be on a, you know, send me an envoy to check in on this subgroup or do whatever. Daniel probably has the greatest access mm-hmm. to why he was understand that. Um, and like we probably mentioned the three that of the contemporaries that tie in together, probably the easiest because of themselves, because in the writings themselves, they send, they, they point to it. Um, is Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And so we, we probably get, I said this earlier, but maybe it is that Daniel and Ezekiel, who are a lot closer in their time frame in the beginning, mm-hmm. Ezekiel uh, ends, Daniel has a lot longer life. Um, but Daniel and Ezekiel seem to be at the same time and probably as, the, as they write in the exile times, um, Jeremiah, who is an overlap, he starts his stuff in the pre-exile and goes mm-hmm. into the exile. It may be that Daniel and Ezekiel were exposed to Jeremiah pre-exile. So right. while they're still in Jerusalem, Jeremiah would have been there. He would have been writing. And so not necessarily maybe as like a contemporary of a of an equal, but maybe it is that Daniel and Ezekiel would have looked at Jeremiah as a as a teacher, you know, role that they actually could have very well sat underneath his teaching yeah. or been exposed to his teaching in that regard. Um, but then even in exile with Daniel and Ezekiel going off, um, they have a tie-in clearly to each, each other. Um, and so they would have been co- probably more considered contemporary, peer contemporaries in the beginning. And then Daniel continues to just live into a longer range. Um, but that leading into then, well, what other books? And that was one of the things that Chris kind of brought up uh, right. via text to us about, you know, wondering, trying to, pinpoint what where, are we going to talk else, about yeah where else could could there have been overlap and i mean there's there's a lot of these um you know you talked about um jeremiah habakkuk was probably in this range um there's there's some question about which joel was around because <laughs> there's a lot of joels 12 12 joels 12 joels in the old testament and 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 probably more than that but those are the ones that are mentioned um who else did we say? Obadiah. Obadiah. And really like Joel and Obadiah are ones. So there's a, there's an early dating of Joel that would be pre-exile. Um, some even contemporary uh, or uh, conservative scholars, I should say, um, go with him being a mid-exile kind of in this overlap 
age uh-huh. um where it would put Joel as a more of a contemporary probably with Jeremiah uh-huh. um and thus Daniel and Ezekiel but for Joel and Obed Joel 1 is just we don't have a ton like it's just not a lot yeah. and so um but for the message of Joel and Obadiah um it is pro- it is less problematic wherever they fall um because they, both of those books are are dealing with God's judgment especially his final judgment um and so they're not as intrinsically linked to dates and events and so mm-hmm. it's like well if Joel was written pre-exile post-exile mid-exile the message is the same yeah God's going to judge and it's all going to come down and it's not too favorable of <laughs> no. uh, the presentation of those so whether Joel was actually there it is probably likely that Obadiah and kind of Ezekiel lineup in mm-hmm. the starting of their times which would have put them at the end of Jeremiah and the beginning of Daniel but probably for the message of what God gave him as a prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably less tied into in into the messages that we're getting in Daniel and Ezekiel, right? Um, based on the history that surrounds them, Zechariah would have been after this time, um, but not Haggai. far. Um, yeah. Haggai, um, same thing. Um, there's there's a Zephaniah that's around here, um, but that's yeah, Zephaniah and Nahum. Yeah, probably are at the beginning. They're pre-exile, so they're probably with Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jeremiah might have been influenced by them. And again, could that be how this all plays out? Could it be that Daniel's like, I want all the whatever Jeremiah was looking at. I want to get a yeah, look at. Yeah, I need you know, to. Like, I need to see that. May, maybe that this is because they're close enough tied together that they'd be included in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but they theirs clearly ends. Nahum and Zephaniah clearly end before the exile. Before it. Um, so they would have been predating Daniel and Ezekiel as contemporaries. But the one that kind of overlaps all of them at the end of Nahum and Zephaniah, in the middle of Jeremiah and at the Zephaniah. beginning of what did I say? Zephaniah. Zephaniah. <laughs> Zephaniah at the at the kind of the beginning of Daniel and Ezekiel is the end of Habakkuk. And so Habakkuk yeah. probably is the tying link between them. So maybe if you drew a straight line through the picked a year and drew a straight line through a timeline, you could probably knock Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Obadiah, and Habakkuk all overlapping at some point. Yeah. We said Haggai, right? Haggai's at the... With uh, Zechariah. Yeah. After. After. Um, Then Ezra, then Nehemiah, then Malachi. Also, it's interesting to know um, that the Book of Lamentations was written in this period, which makes sense. I mean... It's Lamentations. Yeah. And, uh, well, this is one of those I'm talking before I can, from a distant, far distant memory. Jeremiah? Um, at Jeremiah, uh, at the Septuagint list, Jeremiah as, as the, the writer. writer of Lamentations. Well, there you go. So Lamentations would have been at the end of Jeremiah's life. Which, again, we're going to run into the timing of that. We've talked about the Septuagint previously, but it's the... Yeah. Uh, Greek translation, the earliest Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures into Greek. Um, and it's actually historically called for by Ptolemy II, who we're going to run into, I think, in verse 6 of this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Prophetically. It, yeah, prophetically. And so it may be interesting, and again, all around this time is another tie-in to where that is. So if it's during this time that they're saying Jeremiah wrote, Lamentations, then maybe there's a closer tie to that is what happened. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know if, if everybody knew this, but the, the the reign of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon is in is in Daniel's time. <laughs> is 
Yeah, that's good. Sorry, that was a joke. What about his grandson? Yeah, that's somewhere in there. John's reading from a, <clears throat> excuse me, a timeline. That's if, if anybody's like, where is he getting this information? Yeah, no, I'm just pulling it off the top of my head. That's right. I I know all of this and all the things that we're saying. We probably should caveat of saying there's there's people a lot smarter than us that wouldn't agree with this. And, and, <laughs> and might be right. Right. I certainly did not vet this timeline in any way because I wouldn't know how to. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at something that somebody else put together and saying like, yeah, this, that's close enough. But, the, you know, Paul actually has uh, other information that's informing him. Some of us have gone to seminary mm-hmm. and some of them us have not. Yeah, and by some I mean Paul's gone to seminary. Yeah, you're just trusting the internet's reliability, and I'm just trusting the professor who trusts the internet yeah. reliability. <laughs> just <go>. kidding. <laughs> I'm at least trusting Logos. That's you know well, you a go. paid for resource, not just the free stuff. Yeah, because you pay for it, they're not motivated to sell you anything. That's <laughs> mm, probably not true. Anyway, um, there's a lot here. There's I mean, or more more the, motivated. Sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> more motivated. They already sold it to me. Um. But it was interesting, Colson. You had a question um, about about all this because you know we we joked about how um, uh, Daniel majored in in college. He majored in dreams, so I think with a minor in visions. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And my my question was because I think of dreams. <clears throat> excuse me. I think in in terms of okay when I have a dream. How do I like in this in our Western culture? How do we interpret that dream, mm-hmm. and how do we view dreams? You know, we view them as you know, like interpretations of what's inside our brains, or what we ate for dinner last night, or insecurities, or something like that. And neurochemistry so my, that's going right, on, right? Exactly. And my question was: Is that one? Is is that how they viewed it back in the day? And then also in you know, in regards to how Daniel was then you know, interpreting these dreams, how that worked. And so Paul did hit on some of that um, about, but there definitely is manuals and stuff like that, but historical record. And I would say, especially anywhere in the near ancient East, but again, we run into it with Babylon. We've continued to run into it with surpassing kingdoms. Um, There, there does seem to be extra biblical historical accounts that cite dreams Mm -hmm. that, that the motivation for an action um, from a king, from a kingdom, from a sub ruler or whatever, that the was reason they did something was a dream. Now, a, a lot of times that's even attributed backwards, like done backwards. That if, if it's like you did something successful uh, and it really played out well, well, then the way you want the historian to write it is not just we were lucky in the moment, but I had a dream, mm-hmm. you know, way back then that crossed the river here. Yeah. Not there. Not there. And it gives like a legitimacy to a dream. So they, they at least in the culture, saw dreams as a form of legitimate, you know, c- communication. Because sometimes, again, they had it predated. This was my dream. Then I did something. And the history is written before they did it. And they know like that's important. Or here they are on the back end having done something important. And what are they doing to try to bolster that in their historic accounts? Citing a dream. So it does seem like there would be an, an interest in this. Like it wouldn't just kind of be like, um, ah, well, you know, our day in today's society, I had this dream. Let's just blow it off. Mm-hmm. Like there's probably some significant. Man, I need to not eat cabbage. Yeah. And it would probably play down, right? Like our, our guess would be if everybody's doing this at the upper level, probably playing down through the kingdom, they're mm-hmm. going to be doing the same things too. So mm-hmm. I had a dream. I'm a farmer. Should I plant early? 
maybe that's likely to, to be happening because again, the culture always gets set higher up mm-hmm. and filters down. So right. on one hand, they had, they have this probably a higher significance of the dreams than we do in the West. Now that's not the case. And especially a lot of Muslim countries. Mm-hmm. I mean, dreams still play very, very important um, in a lot of countries and even today, but for, you know, Bible belt, Texas, America, we probably dismiss dreams more than certainly they would. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the first thing is that they would relate to these dreams in an easier connection. Another thing that I think is interesting and it's kind of a good reminder because we've, we've kind of, we've said it in the podcast, I should say, but we probably also haven't maybe done it as much justice in the presentations on Sundays um, because there is this kind of struggle between two opposing forces. One, these images really are conveying a, a crazy, a big, uh, otherworldly, you know, kind of power and force that seems like there's so much, again, mystery and grandeur. Mm-hmm. And all of these things are coming from these images. But at the same time, the images themselves are probably much more relatable to the people who are hearing them. Sure. They, they're crazy to us because we don't do it. Like I, right. This is the illustration. You know, I go to work every day and I don't pass seven statues of lions with human heads and dragon wings. Mm-hmm. They probably did. Yeah. Like they probably ran into these images and, and the, again, in these dream manuals, we get this. We get that there's a lot of these images that are out there that their culture probably promotes and probably displays a lot more. And so, yeah, and like a lion's feet would mean something different than a lion's head. And right. And, and their these, culture is using that to communicate to them. Right. And now God's picking up on that language. And so they're probably seeing it much more in a connection. And one of the, right. it was interesting, one of the guys that I was, um, uh, is one of the, the, He's a DTS early guy. Uh, he was actually making a, a subtle hint of what would strike him the most would be the things that weren't that weren't uh, clearly understandable. You right. know, like because if 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 we when we read through this, we're like all of it is unfamiliar. But right. if they read through it and they saw, well, this is the familiar. What would be the things that are unfamiliar to in them. it to them? And I was like, that's it. That would be an interesting study, or be fascinating of like what what actually things would be so stand out because again, it didn't lose that Yeah, is that's where we may lose it in our, our, you know, presentation of it because it is so foreign to us and yet so magnificent mm-hmm. that we tend to put those two together to come to the same conclusion. It would probably be less foreign to them, but probably no less magnificent. Right. In the, again, in the final story. And so it'd be yeah interesting to see what, what preserves the mystery for them. Because that is important. I think what does need to happen is there needs to be mystery preserved and grandeur maintained. Yeah. There might be some things that uh, actually make more sense to us than they do to them. Um, I was just thinking through the the beasts and everything like that. They have the on the fourth beast. Fourth beast? The big one that's super scary. The scary one. Yeah, the scary one. Um, It has like claws or... Um, whatever that it's devouring mm-hmm. um, rock and things like that. And I was like, I don't know exactly what that is. I Excavator. see machines that do that all the time. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, th- things like that, it'd be funny to um, find those things out to be mm-hmm. like, Oh, well we see stuff like that all the time um, now, but it, it, it shouldn't, uh, 
uh, like you said, it shouldn't take away the the grandeur of it. The mm-hmm. fact that this is this is communicating something much bigger than an excavator or you mm-hmm. know, what was the guy who said that obviously in Revelation that's a Apache helicopter. I don't remember. That's right. The scorpions. The scorpions. The flying scorpions. I'm like, okay. Um, but you know, just the the idea that we we can see these things and see God's hand inside of them and and understand that even if you don't understand your own dreams, um, your or understand these dreams or visions or anything like that, you you can rest in knowing the God who is in control. Um, right. And 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 we can uh, have our faith um, built by the faith of those who've gone before us and be encouraged.